Which please turn with me to your study outlines. And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online, as well as our friends in First Baptist Church, Arco, Idaho, and also Purpose Church in Kalispell, Montana. And we are finishing today, not continuing, we are finishing. This is the grand finale of the Money Challenge. It's a four-part series. This is part four, and we are finished uh, after today. And then we'll start a new four-part series that will go through the last Sunday, five Sunday month in December. So we'll go through the last four uh, Sundays of December uh, called Unwrapped. And we're going to talk about Christmas, and then the last Sunday of the year on New Year's Day, I will preach a New Year's uh, Day sermon, or New Year's Eve Day sermon, uh, to launch into 2018. So we just finished today a four-part series. We start a new one, uh, wholehearted in Christmas, uh, fully on to, into Christmas, uh, next Sunday called Unwrapped. And so this is your last chance to get a hold of these little books that I've been uh, talking about. Again, just like I ask you to clean out the Christmas material, clean us out of these books, get a hold of them out there. We don't want anyone left afterwards. Make sure uh, to get a hold of this as you leave. There have been three parts to the money challenge. The first part was give generously. The second part was saving wisely. And the third part was living or spending appropriately. And now I just want to wrap up just for a few minutes before we share the Lord's Supper. I want to wrap up with four generosity killers, things that kill our generosity. And the first one is keeping up with the Joneses. Now, that phrase originates with a comic strip called Keeping Up with the Joneses that was created in 1913. The strip ran until 1940 in various newspapers across America, and the comic strip depicts the social climbing McGinnis family who struggled to keep up with their neighbor, the Joneses, of the title. The Joneses are always unseen characters throughout the strip's run. They're often spoken of, but they're never shown. And this idiom, keeping up with the Joneses, has remained popular in American culture uh, long after the uh, comic strip had its run finish in in 1940. And so it, it speaks about this whole need we have. Sometimes the Joneses are invisible, they're imagined, and sometimes they're literally our neighbors that we're trying to have as nice a car as them. We're trying to uh, live in as nice a home as them. We're, we're trying to, um, you know, to uh, keep up appearances in front of them. And let me just encourage you, and you all know that I'm really passionate about this. You run your own race. You do not have to keep up with the Joneses. Nobody can beat you at being you. There are 7 billion people on planet Earth right now. 100 billion that have lived throughout human history. You are 1 in 100 billion. You are 1 in 7 billion. There has never been somebody like you. There never will be somebody like you. God made you uniquely you with your strengths and with your weaknesses, uh, with the things you're good at and the things you're not so good at. He placed you strategically in that family, that neighborhood, that place of work, that place of recreation, that where you go to school. He placed you there for such a time as this. There is no one like you. Nobody can beat you at being you. And you don't have to keep up with anybody, whether it's possessions like the Joneses or whether it's even in spiritual things, saying, oh, God uses so-and-so more than they use me. Absolutely untrue. You run the race God has called you to run. Nobody can beat you at being you. Now, we understand that this feeling of insecurity, comparing ourselves to others, has been around, you know, since the beginning. In the resurrection, after the resurrection, Peter and John are walking with Jesus, and, and Jesus shares the plan for John's life. And Peter, of all people, gets defensive. 
And he says, what about me, Jesus? Do you have a plan for me? And he goes, yeah, you just follow me, Peter. And so if Peter, who's one of the founders of the church, if anybody shouldn't be insecure, it should be the apostle Peter. But if he felt insecurity, then certainly we do as well. And that's why 3,500 years ago, 1500 B.C., uh, the last of the Ten Commandments God gave us was to not try to keep up with the Joneses. Uh, He put it this way in 1500 B.C. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 17, you shall not covet, okay, your neighbor's house. That's the same today. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant. His ox or his donkey. Now, I admit, I'm not tempted in that area a whole lot. I just, that's not an area of struggle for me. But really, donkey was a form of transportation, so that's like your car. Ox was like a tool at work, so that could be something we could feel competitive about. Or anything that belongs to, to your neighbor. Uh, he says we should be so careful. Uh, first of all, for insecurity and also for pride. Um, it's comparison that makes us proud. C.S. Lewis, in one of the greatest books ever written called Mere Christianity, he writes, Pride is essentially competitive. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something only out of having more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. And so the comparison game is always a losing game because either we will seek out people that we compare favorably to it, it'll make us proud, or inevitably you'll run into somebody that you don't compare favorably to, and it'll make you feel insecure. You know, so many times people tell me, they say, Pastor Glenn, You know, I I come to church and I look around and everybody looks like they've totally got it together. I mean, everybody looks like they got their whole Christian lives and their lives together. And they look around and everybody looks so awesome and so perfect as you do on Sunday morning. And I always assure those people, I say, hey, you know, get everybody in our church alone with me in, in my office for about an hour. And everybody's got something that's broken their heart. Everybody's got something that disappointed them. Everybody's got something uh, that they worry about. Everybody's got something. And yet what we do is we compare other people's outsides with our insides. And I know I'm a mess inside. And I compare that to your perfect outside, and I'm going to feel insecure. And God says, you run the race. Don't you dare keep up with the Joneses. Keep up with you. Keep up with God. what God has in store for you. You run your race. Now, one of the things that will distract us from this is when we fall in love with certain other idols rather than following after Jesus and, and following after God. The first commandment was to put God number one in your life. And so with this particular series, we've been talking about falling in love with wealth and possessions can keep us from fulfilling the calling that Jesus has on our lives. Uh, Jesus ran into a young man in Matthew 19. Just then a man came up to Jesus And asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Um, Skipping down to verse 18, in verse 17, uh, Jesus has said to him, keep the Ten Commandments. Uh, But Jesus is going beneath that, as you'll see. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied. And And he uses the second half of the Ten Commandments. The first half have to do with our relationship vertically with God. The second half of the Ten Commandments have to do with our relationship horizontally with each other. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. 
Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Not in the Ten Commandments, but Jesus threw it in there. Because if you do that, you're keeping all the other ones. All these I've kept, the young man said. Uh, denial is not just a river in Egypt, you know. He just looks at that. I mean, one of them was lying. Ah, you lied right there. Or, or he had a very superficial view of what the Ten Commandments meant. Remember, Jesus always expanded them. He always said, no, no, it's not enough just not to literally kill somebody. You can't hate somebody as if you'd kill them. It's not enough just to literally avoid adultery. You've got to watch lust within your life. And so he says, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? Now Jesus gets to the real issue. It is not about perfectly keeping the Ten Commandments. It is about making Jesus the Lord of your life. Opening up your heart to the Christ of Christmas. Opening up your heart to him. And, and, and it always takes one thing you need to give up. What's the idol in your life? What's the one thing that you got to give up in order to follow after Jesus? And it's different for all of us. But for this young man, it was money and possessions. If you want to be perfect, and in the Greek this means if you want to be finished, if you want to have have God's final work within your life, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Release that thing you love the most and come now and follow me. And it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. This was the thing that he loved more than following after Jesus. And in a few minutes, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. And everybody here is welcome to share the Lord's Supper. You just need to know that you've opened up your heart to Christ as your Lord and Savior. That you've taken that step. And then you're very welcome, along with all of us, to share the bread, which represents his body given for us on the cross. And and the cup, which represents his blood shed for our forgiveness. And, And everybody's welcome to show publicly that they are privately followers of Jesus Christ. You say, Glenn... I don't know if I've taken that step or if I'd like to take that step today. How would I go about doing it? Well, right in front of you in the book rack, there's a little card that says resource, how to become a follower of Jesus. And it's got three steps the Bible talks about and then a little suggested prayer. And if you've prayed that prayer or something like it in the past, or if you'd like to pray it today, today could be your day. Unlike this young man who held on to his past and, and, and would not follow Jesus. You say, you know what? And, and this doesn't mean perfect obedience all the time. No, no, no. We'll continue to sin. We'll continue to fall down. But it just says, Jesus, I want to open up my heart and receive you as my Savior and Lord. And if you've done that in the past or if you do that today, you're very welcome to share the Lord's Supper with us. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, through Jesus who gives me the strength. He'll give you the ability to be content, to not have to keep up with the Joneses, and it'll remove one of the barriers uh, to generosity. Uh, the second one is debt. The Bible talks a lot about being careful about getting into excessive debt. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 26, do not be one who shakes hands in pledge with MasterCard or Visa. 
the, the original Hebrew. That's what it says. I'm telling you, it's really weird. No, they, they, I'm just kidding. Okay. Or puts up security for debt. Uh, you know, there, there's a certain amount of debt we need to take on for our house and, and certain other things. But the Bible says be very careful not to get into excessive debt. Uh, verse 27 says, if you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Okay? It's not just Larry that's killing Irwin. Uh, Larry, you're killing me. What bed is that? What mattress did get snatched from under you? The one that was $0 down and no interest for 2018. That, that one is the one I'm talking about. Or only interest for 2018. Uh, what, what was the bed that got snatched from under you? Uh, the one that you didn't have to put anything down and no payments for the next 12 months. Then the payments begin, and if you don't make them, Larry shows up at your doorstop. That's out. And, and as he takes your mattress, you go, Larry, you're killing me. Okay. Never mind. Okay. I, maybe it has been gone for a while. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 7. This is almost a theme verse for Dave Ramsey. And for those that teach it, like uh, Janet Gifford and the others that teach this class within it, this is almost a theme, a theme verse for them. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And it's a generosity killer to be enslaved to the lender. To have excessive debt uh, prevents our ability to be generous. Now, three action steps I'd like to encourage you uh, to take uh, if you've got struggling with debt or or finances within your life. Um, Number one is get a hold of this little book. Uh, Grab this. Today's the last day they're available. Get a hold of this thing, uh, The Money Challenge. Number two, the Right Now Media. How cool is this, by the way? We've been trying to get this for our church for a couple of years now. And I'm telling you, Pastor Lisa uh, um, just drives a, 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 te- a hard bargain. By the time, you know, we've been working on this for a couple of years. This has been her passion and her mission in life. And I tell you, by the time they finished bargaining with her and Pamela Barden, our chief of operations, they had tears streaming down their cheeks. And I, and I think they're paying us to have Right Now Media now rather than us paying them. But this is a fabulous resource. And some of it is financial. Some of it's ma- marriage uh, training. But some of it's financial training. And you can get Dave Ramsey right there in, in your own living room. Uh, another third possible action step is, is take um, the, the, the class uh, this coming January, Financial uh, Peace University. And if you look on the back of your program, you're, it'll tell you how to get onto that right now media and to get us your email so that we can do this. And boy, they are so organized. Our team uh, that has been doing this, that just before I came over to the office at 825, I'm coming over for the 830 service, ding, right there in my email on my phone. Boom, it's there. And so if we have your email, you, you've already got it. Um, don't be watching other stuff during the sermon. Okay, wait till later on, all right? But, but uh, uh, if, you, if we don't have our email, it tells you there on the back of your study outline how to get us your email so that we can get this uh, free uh, Christmas gift to you. And then on the back of your program, you'll see Financial Peace University that starts in January. So those are three possible action steps. The Money Challenge, Right Now Media, number three, Financial Peace University. It'll also help with the next generosity killer, which is disorganization, not having a budget, not having a financial plan. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verse 40. But Paul says everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. A fitting and orderly way. Now, he's talking there about worship services. That's the context. But it applies to all areas of Christian life, uh, including our finances. And then the fourth generosity killer 
is the financially, uh, the financially separated uh, marriage and, and debates within finances uh, within our marriage. A husband and wife had been married for 60 years and had no secrets except for one. The woman kept in her closet a shoebox that she forbade her husband from ever opening. But when she was on her deathbed and with her blessing, he opened the box and found a crocheted doll and $95,000 in cash. My mother told me that the secret to a happy marriage was to never argue, she explained, which, by the way, is lousy marriage advice. All right, don't, don't take that, but for the sake of this story, live with it, okay? Instead, I should keep quiet and crochet a doll. Her husband was touched. Only one doll was in the box. That meant she had been angry with him only once in 60 years. But what about all this money, he asked. Oh, she said, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. Uh, Now, another commercial I want to make is on the back. I'm so sorry. The stupider the joke, the more I like it. That's just basically the the plan around here. Um, But if you look on the back of your program, uh, you'll see, again, our marriage assistance mentoring. And this is a tremendous thing. And the the marriage enrichment classes. We have marriage enrichment classes every hour on Sunday morning. 8.30, 9.45, 11.11. All three So you can go to one before the service that you attend or after the service that you attend. And and a a big part of marriage is being unified in every area, many areas, uh, but especially finances as well. Genesis 2, verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Uh, They're united. They become one flesh. Um, We need to have financial unity. And I just want to mention... Uh, something to whet your appetite. It goes into more depth in the little book, The Money Challenge. But just to kind of whet your appetite, here are eight steps to getting financially, uh, getting on the same uh, financial page. Uh, Number one, agree that you need to agree, that you need to have unity in this area. Number two, replace mine with ours. Uh, Number three, take a look at reality. The facts are always friendly. Winston Churchill said, get me the facts, whatever they are. Just get me reality. Then I can deal with reality. And we need to be realistic about our finances. Number four, dream together. Uh, Number five, develop dream-reaching goals. Number six, identify goal-reaching milestones in order to reach those dreams. Number seven, every year at the beginning of the year, we're just coming up on January, together ask, what do we need to accomplish financially this upcoming year? And then number eight, continue learning together. Um, Read the Money Challenge uh, together. Uh, Take Financial Peace University together. Watch one of these videos from Right Now Media um, together. Go to uh, marriage enrichment class together. Um, Get uh, marriage assistance uh, mentoring. Boy, that's a wonderful program where another couple will come alongside. It's not for people whose marriage is in trouble. I mean, it is but not just for those whose marriage is in trouble. It's for those that have a 10, an 8 out of a scale of 1 to 10 and just want to make their marriage a 9 or make it a 10, a 10 out of 10. Everybody uh, can improve uh, their relationship in this way. Now, a core value that we have here at Purpose Church is that growing people change. And the subtitle or the sub core value underneath that, growing people change, is that everybody has a next step to take. And so I want to ask you as we conclude this series, what's the next step that God wants you to take? 
This can be so overwhelming. My goodness. I want you to know I totally understand that. It is for Kimberly and me. Uh, financially and getting our house in order according to God's plan is just overwhelming. So I just ask you, take one simple step. What's the next step? Okay, for you. And maybe write it down there in your your study outline or write it down somewhere. Maybe your next step is to make a budget. Maybe that next step is to start to save. Just start somewhere small to save. Maybe it's to start to give. Just start somewhere. Uh, Maybe it's to reduce your debt. Uh, Maybe it's to take Financial Peace University um, in January. Just as, as we conclude this, just jot down what's one next step that you could take as a result of all that we've shared over the last four weeks in this series, all that we've shared, what, what's one next step that God would have us to take? Now, before we share the Lord's Supper in order to kind of wrap up this series, I want to give you an example of one couple at Purpose Church, one couple, young couple from our church as to what happened when they applied these principles and how things worked out in their life when they applied the principles that we've been talking about. So let's watch this together. It was back in 2010. We were newlyweds, and we were living just in an apartment, um, doing what we could to kind of make ends meet. We really kind of debated on if we should tithe or not or just wait until we were in a better place financially at the time. And uh, so we decided to uh, trust God and remain faithful in tithing. Even though it was hard, something totally unexpected happened. Um, my car, uh, the engine blew, uh, completely went out, and uh, it was going to be pretty expensive to fix it. And we didn't have any money at the time, and, and so I had asked my parents if maybe they'd uh, you know, loan us some money, and, and uh, they were able to do that, which was, which was awesome. And you know, even in that, we kind of really saw some uh, pretty cool uh, provision, I think. Well, just two weeks later, um, it was raining really, really hard one day. And we were driving down the street, ended up driving into a very, very deep puddle, and our engine just stopped. And while we were sitting there, we were just incredibly discouraged. I mean, this was our new engine and our new car that we had just borrowed so much money for, and here it was, completely shot, and we didn't know if insurance was going to cover it, and to be honest, we had absolutely no means to pay for it. We were... um, still trying to make rent. Um, We were now indebted to his in-laws, having to pay them back. Um, And we were committed to tithing. We knew that that was something that we had to keep doing. But to be honest, it was really hard. And at the time, we just, we didn't know what to do. So the next night, we were at a uh, prayer meeting. And uh, Pastor Brian Holland uh, prayed for us. And and he said as he was praying for us, um, a verse came to mind. And so he kind of shared that verse with us. It was a passage in uh, Matthew 17. And uh, in the story, Peter asked Jesus if he should pay the temple tax. And Jesus is like, yeah, you should pay the temple tax. And, and so he tells him to throw a net over the boat. He catches this fish, and in the fish's mouth is, uh, is two coins worth of this temple tax to pay for Peter and Jesus. And so we walked out, and, uh, and we were like, okay, <laughs> that's helpful in no way. That didn't mean anything to us. Uh, and it was just super random, and you know, even he was like, I, I don't know, this verse just popped in my head. And uh, So the next day I went to go uh, pick up the car at the, the auto shop and uh, you know, walked in and, and you know, met with a guy to see kind of what the damage was. And he was like, you're not going to believe this. He, he said, you know, the insurance covered their portion, which was great, uh, but they actually overpaid um, 
the amount of your entire deductible. And he said, I, you know, I saw that was an error. Um, I called them, and, and the insurance company actually said, just, you know, just let it roll. You know, that situation was like, oh my gosh, you know, insurance companies don't do that. And, uh, and it was just this incredible uh, kind of miraculous thing that I was like, wow. The guy turned to me and he's like, yeah, they actually overpaid uh, so much that you're actually getting money back. And uh, so he said, yeah, let me, get my, uh, let me get the balance for you. And uh, so he turns around and, and grabs the balance and, and puts it on the table. Uh, and it was two coins. Uh, it was two dimes. James had called me to tell me uh the, the story and I had froze exactly where I was and and I just it was just crazy and amazing and God always provides for us as, as we are faithful with our resources and our finances to him he'll never let us down he'll always provide